Lisey Dean. I've taken a break from the podcast since May and today we are back. Forgive my raspy voice. I will hopefully have a not so recovering sick voice in the next episode but I need to share with you guys what has been going on in the last few months and just how much things have changed and I know that I am not the only one who has walked through these places and in confusion and in pain There's been so many things that have been brought to light for me, and I feel called to share it with you. So buckle up. Today we're going to be talking about kind of a little bit of my story of how I got to where I got to in May and how things hit the fan, for lack of better words, and my whole life flipped upside down. So stay tuned if you're interested. I'm super excited to share with you. So I grew up in a home that was a religious home. My parents were Christians. And um, there was a lot of do what I say, not what I do. I saw behaviors that didn't match what apparently the gospel and the Bible said. I didn't understand why it was always trust God, but yet never act or never take responsibility. I know my mom loved the Lord and she was on her face in prayer, but there was so much dysfunction within the family. I did not understand how we could be turning a blind eye to certain things and yet say that we like it just didn't compute in my brain it felt like it wasn't an alignment it was felt like hypocrisy and just didn't didn't wasn't something I was attracted to we tried going to church as kids and it was really difficult with young kids and lack of support to get everybody ready and out of the door so we didn't really grow up going to church much other than like holidays and things like that But my mom taught us who God was and we were homeschooled. I was homeschooled through sixth grade and um, I knew who God was, but I was scared of him. It was not a positive correlation. It was a big, scary judge dad in the sky that I correlated to my relationship with my father, who was not a positive relationship to correlate to. I always had such a deep sense of shame, which I've spoken about on the podcast before, because I felt like I wasn't good enough. I felt like I had to try so hard um, because of ADHD, things like that. I was undiagnosed. I didn't realize I had ADHD until this year at 30 and had developed a lot of strategies to compensate to just get to the baseline level of being a functioning person. But I also had a lot of trauma and was very externally motivated and struggled out loud, but was everything to everybody and people pleased in order to gain the love and acceptance that I desired because I didn't feel inherently worthy of it. So I put that perception of people and the acceptance of people on a pedestal. I just wanted to know that I was good enough and that I was loved and that I was seen. But yet at the same time, I was absolutely terrified of being seen. So I began performing for acceptance and Once the true humanity started kind of leaking through and I wasn't this perfect or perceived in my mind as, you know, how do I avoid the discomfort of somebody being disappointed in me or the abandonment that follows? I did everything I could to be perceived as interesting, to be perceived as um, having it all together. And even as a kid, my mom 
would say, you know, you'd fall down and get hurt and you'd run away from me and I would want to comfort you, but you wouldn't have it. You would run away and cry and get yourself together and then come back. And I think that that was something that followed me. And that's something that in my relationship with God has also been the case that I haven't felt safe to fall apart and to be seen in that space. So I began realizing that accountability was kind of a threat and became kind of avoidant in certain spaces. I cultivated superficial relationships because I was scared of depth and yet I craved it so deeply and I was always really curious and empathetic and I I connected with people and I had an openness to explore. I wanted to believe that there was more. I knew there was hope for more. Like there's no way this could be an accident. There was no way. Like I knew I had a real desire for God, but I also saw the church and saw the things in the church that I just was not at all attracted to, but ended up going to a camp with a church when I was 12, where I heard the gospel and I was really battling shame. And I remember accepting the gospel and being like, you like me, God, like you, you apparently died for my sins so that I could be made clean and I don't have to do anything to earn that. And that was like the first time I ever heard like, wait, this God desires a relationship with me and I accepted Christ as my savior, but I was doing it from a lens of brokenness, of trying to be fixed. And so I really wanted to to believe that, but I was still performing. I was still codependent with God, with people. I was people-pleasing, shape-shifting. I couldn't be human. And once I started pouring into a church environment, I also continued finding abuse and finding toxicity wherever I went because that's all I knew. That was my template for life. And so even though I had really positive experiences too, there were people that genuinely loved God and were trying to serve him. I had the experiences that validated the mistrust and pain and things that I had experienced. So throughout high school, I started struggling really deeply the same pain that was just building up in childhood and in early, you know, teen years expressed itself once I was in a public high school and I had access to friendships and drugs and alcohol and partying and relief and other people suffering the same way that I was suffering. I've always had these friends that were kind of considered the outcasts, which I think is really interesting because I've always seen them as such beautiful people and so unique. Like I never understood why people weren't intrigued by them. I was curious to hear what their life was. And it was so similar to the things that I have experienced too, but yet was kind of able to shapeshift and be everything to everybody. So I had friends all over, but nobody really knew me. Nobody really saw me. People wanted to. I was very externally confident, but on the inside, I was a shell of a human being. I had no idea who I was. People would ask me like, what is your favorite color? What do you like to do? I had no idea. I just thought I had to be what I needed to be in the space that I was in. And it was totally a mask. So when I was struggling the most, I felt judgment from the church. I felt ridicule in some senses for my behavior. They weren't understanding that the behavior was rooted in pain and in something way deeper that I needed people to come alongside of me and support me in love and not preach at me. And I had a lot of resentment towards the church. I had a lot of church pain. 
happened within that space. And I kind of correlated the relationship that my parents taught of religion. See, this is what always happens. You know, it's a show. It's the same way that I was feeling about myself. I was projecting onto all of these people. And so I ended up leaving the church and I knew I had a relationship with God. I wanted God, but I didn't trust people. I wanted the reflection of God through people and I was putting them on a pedestal to do that. And the interesting thing, interesting thing about a mirror or a reflection is that a mirror, yes, can give you an idea of the person on the other side looking at it. But if that mirror is broken, it can give you a distorted image. And so we're looking for God in distorted images, in distorted people that need him just as much as we do. And so I couldn't be human, therefore I couldn't let them be human. And I ran from God. But I knew God was real. And I was curious and I was searching and I I started getting really into alcohol and drugs. And I had experiences with men too, where that was a big pain point for me that I was abused. I was um, assaulted many times. And I shut that part of myself off because I knew if they're using me in this way, then this is all this is for. The only power I have to connect is through physical affection and I'm not good enough to be chosen for who I am without giving myself or using people in that way because that's just what people do. That's all people want and then people leave. And I had such twisted senses of like and such a fragile sense of self. I was so scared of being perceived as wrong. I didn't stand up for myself or for anything. I didn't have boundaries. I didn't use my voice and I was just running from pain. So fast forward, my early 20s, a lot of alcohol, a lot of bad choices, really, really jacked up things. And I had moments where I could see God throughout so clearly pursuing me and I kind of dabbled back in, but I wasn't ready and I had a deep resentment for the way that I saw the church doing things. I ended up also doing humanitarian aid and missions in the Dominican Republic all throughout my junior high, high school, early adult years in the summer, spending time living there with family, things like that. Seeing the the missions groups come in and feeling like we were looking at poverty field trips where people would just come in and do their little Christian checklist. And I know there were people that genuinely wanted to share the gospel, but we weren't actually looking at how we could support the people on the ground. And it just, I saw behaviors of these churches and people making racial comments and things like that. Again, seeing what I hope to be the heart of God reflected through people and seeing a bunch of broken people. And it just built more trauma and resentment towards the church. So ended up leaving the church completely and got married. I developed an addiction to weed. I was completely deconstructing my faith. I didn't ever really have the the place within myself to say like, I don't believe the Bible or that I don't love the person of Jesus because I think Jesus is dope. He was super radical and like flip tables because he didn't like religious people. And I liked that about him, you know, and he was very countercultural. He did things in a way that at the time the religious people didn't like either. And he went after them saying like, you're missing the whole point. It's about the heart. It's about people. And so I always loved who Jesus was, but I got really into Eastern religion, a curiosity around you know, there's no such thing as like ultimate truth. Everything has truth in it. Got really into meditation. And then 2019 happened. I moved back to the DMV and was married. Got married very quickly and was confronted with all of my stuff that I hadn't looked at. 
previous to this. You know, it was like the first time that I was in a safe space long enough that I could confront the fullness of the patterns and the the coping mechanisms and just how unhealthy I had been and totally self-sabotaged my marriage in a lot of ways because I didn't know how to hold it. And we were both kids. We didn't know what we, who we were, what we needed. And there was a lot of pain involved. And I ended up just hiding it and burying it. And, and that in and of itself hurt the relationship because I wasn't being honest. And I wasn't taking accountability for who I was in the past and the pain that I had carried and all of these things. But 2020 came around and the whole world started burning down. I started seeing people that I served in the Dominican Republic with posting on their Facebook about Black Lives Matter and the organization and where the money is going and being more concerned about that instead of, I couldn't comprehend that we as the church, supposed we as the individuals that make up the body of the church, couldn't see people grieving the loss of their son on, on TV or so many things happening without repair and empathy and love and just making changes on behalf of people. I couldn't understand that we were focusing on these things. And that was one of the first times I actually heard the voice of God say to me, and it was such a still small voice, that you're just seeing the Pharisees and there's always been a lot of them. And the Pharisees in the Bible are the religious people at the time that were so focused on doing things according to the law, according to the the traditions that they were ready to kill and or put him in jail and or whatever anybody and everything that didn't follow it to the t they were they were the religious people and i went wait a second mm. so these people that hurt me or the people that i thought was the church those are just the pharisees and seeing that you know the bible was very clear about the fact that the road to god is a narrow one and many people will take the wider easier road and that in a lot of ways, that also looks like Western Christianity in a lot of senses. And so I still didn't want anything to do with the church and was smoking about an ounce of weed a week. I was completely dissociating. I'd lost my job. My marriage was falling apart. I was in severe depression. I was having intrusive thoughts that were telling me to kill myself all the time. I began listening to podcasts and it was the first time that I felt seen in these spaces that I had existed in. And realizing there were terms for these things within my family structure. It wasn't just me being bad or that I had somehow been broken my whole life, but that there could be healing available to me. So I started diving in desperately into my own healing and self-improvement and every type of healing modality I could get my hands on. And that's when I started also getting involved in psychedelics. It was in 2020. There's a lot of research about psychedelics and PTSD. I have CPTSD and it was something that I was really, really interested in. And I started being curious around God, but I also was doing everything through a lens of, again, wanting to fix something in me that was broken. And just another way in which I could not disappoint people, not just inherently be jacked up, right? Like validating that, that belief that I had about myself. And the thing is, is that people on the outside knowing me, yes, people always see what we think they don't, right? Like people had a perception of me that probably saw all these things, right? But 
a lot of people were like, Lacey, we had no idea. Like, we had no clue you felt this way. We had no idea you were struggling because I wasn't being honest. I didn't have, feel like I had the space or the right to be honest without fear of abandonment, without fear of the explosion of conflict or, or just standing in my own experience. I had no words for any of this. So 2020 was the year that my parents also separated. And that was after 34 years of a really, really twisty and bumpy marriage and home experience. And it was, that was the first time I really felt God present with me in a way that it was like preparation. I remember telling my boss the day that my mom had planned to tell my dad, I know I'm going to see my dad today. I felt it in my heart and my spirit that God was like so clearly like preparing me that you're going to see your dad today. I didn't know how. I verbalized it to her. I don't know how. I don't know where, but I know I'm going to see my dad. And I was buying CBD because I was like, I need a little something extra <laughs> to just calm, calm myself. And I was walking away from the major road to my car and the spirit in me told me to turn around. And I turned around and faced this major road, Route 7 on in Virginia, which is, you know, you miss the two seconds that I would have turned around. As I'm looking back, my dad drives by. It was all of them a second, literally second to two seconds, this tiny portion of road that I could see from where I was walking and I was walking the opposite direction and I just so happened to hear it turn around and I turned around and I saw my dad. So I had a connection to the Holy Spirit, to, to God in a way that I know he always honored what I committed to when I was a kid. He pursued me so many times to the point I remember being like, yo, can you let me live? Like, I don't want this. I want to be in that relationship or I don't want to feel conviction about what I'm doing. Like, how come everybody else can do all of these fun things? And yet here I am being pursued by you in a way that's like hindering me from doing that. I'm annoyed. Leave me alone. And that led me into a life of a lot of pain. And so as everything started burning down, I was experiencing really, really bad intrusive thoughts and fear and just panic attacks and my body couldn't 2021 happened and it was like all of this grief was just like coming up bubbling up and I needed to feel it and I ended up telling my husband the full truth of all of the things and um he showed me so much forgiveness and love and compassion, even though it hurt him, that I remember sitting in that conversation, shaking, about to throw up, like so fearful that I had been holding on to all these things for years, right? And that I had all these ideas of what his reaction would be. And his reaction was, why didn't you tell me sooner? Like, like we could have talked about it but I'm so hurt that we didn't, you know, but he showed me so much love. And, and I promise I'll always love you. I'll always be there for you. Show me unconditional, the cost of forgiveness, the cost of what it looked like for people to not walk away. Cause I just got used to people using me and me using people in a way that I learned. I didn't actually know how to value people because people were danger. They were not safe. So I just kept them at an arm's length. And this was the first time somebody truly wanted to see me. 
and he made it safe to be seen. And I remember going to my mom's house and telling her and falling apart, saying like, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what tomorrow has. I don't know what he wants. Like, I feel like our marriage is going to end. And she lovingly called me out in truth and shared the gospel with me. And I had been searching and searching and searching and searching. And on May 23rd of 2021, my mom shared the gospel with me. And it pierced my heart because I understood what love costs and what the actual representation of love through marriage and how hard and refining that is. That it's God's patience to me and forgiveness for me. Like it all made sense. I didn't understand it before. And I was a puddle, y'all. I was in a puddle of tears and was like, God, if you are real, I need you to help me. I believe you. I want to know. I didn't feel safe in a church yet, but I am open. And I accepted Christ as my savior and my mom baptized me in the bathtub and then I got the opportunity of baptizing her and it was the most beautiful moment of my life and from that day I experienced the Holy Spirit in a way that was totally wild. My husband ended up coming forward and saying he wanted a separation and I had seven dollars to my name. My car got totaled. I had the flu. I was sitting on a curb on the side of the road And it was just like, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know how you're going to use any of this. I have nothing. Everything I thought, how is it that I'm coming to know you and everything is falling apart? And yet I experienced so much peace. And literally like just the touch of God on my life. I remember having a really hard conversation with him And going into it, going, God, I can't have this conversation. I I cannot do this. And my mom has always prayed over me that um, God would cover us from the tops of our our head to the bottom of our toes. And I was sitting in the car just crying out to God like, yo, help me. I can't do this. How am I going to tell the person that I committed my life to, that I love, that that this is going to be? Like, how, how do I do this, Lord? I need you to be here with me. And I felt the pressure of a hand on my head and a wave of energy that went down from the top of my head, literally like a wave covering my body, to the bottom of my toes. And I could feel it in between my fingers and toes. It covered every ounce of me. And I knew I was covered by the Lord. I knew I was covered by God and walked in and had the conversation. Like I had experienced God in that six-month period where everything fell apart. I lost my home. I was sleeping on a blow-up mattress with such beautiful sisters and friends that took me in and just let me grieve. And I experienced God in that house. And I'm so grateful for that season. But then I still hadn't established a safe place within the layers of the pain that I had in response to like the church, my beliefs. I was still very vulnerable. And it was still very open-minded to a lot of things. And so I started getting really, really curious again with all these healing modalities and started, was still actively, you know, addicted to weed 
became very habitual and um, was struggling with addiction, was struggling with just how I was processing this pain and led me into more of a spirituality space. I believed in Jesus. I believed in God. But little by little, started allowing things in, started seeing relief in other places, was still really practicing meditation. And I don't think inherently meditation is a bad thing. Um, I do think it's important to focus on what we are meditating on and what we are allowing in. And still was using psychedelics as a way of seeking God, of seeking um, this higher truth or power or knowledge from God. And it just opened me up to the world of spirituality. And then I started getting involved with astrology. I started listening to people on YouTube and I was like, whoa, this is really accurate. Like, this is kind of crazy, you know, and it gave me a sense of control. It made me feel like I could prepare for what was coming. And then I started watching tarot readings and I was like, whoa, this stuff is wild. Same thing, like so accurate and just thought it was so mesmerizing how the cards would pop out and like I was so drawn to it. And I said at the time to my business partner, like there's just something in this for me. I don't know what it is. And God was the one who brought me to the podcast when my life was falling apart. When I was living on that blow up mattress, I had nothing God so clearly was with me and spoke to me and I was in the word. I never felt closer to him. Said that he would use my pain and my story to speak to others in the dark and that I would help other people walk through the spaces that I have survived and be hope in that place. And I didn't know how he could speak that over me when I was still very much in the dark, but I took a step forward and I kind of ran and did a lot on my own without the Lord. And I wanted to find identity in that space too. And so then again, you fast forward, I was, I was kind of just like open to the idea. I was hearing all these other people's experiences of their experience of God. And I'm going, well, that sounds pretty similar to what I've experienced. So what's the difference? Maybe it is all just source energy. Maybe it is all just energy and, and, um, intention and all this stuff. So if you believe that, then what is that? You know, who am I to say that that's not true? And So then I started getting really, really, really into spirituality modalities and meditation works and and sound baths and deep, 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 deep psychosis and not psychosis, hypnosis. Sorry, not psychosis. That's a whole nother thing. Um, (laughs) Hypnosis and tarot readings. I started learning tarot and it was an addiction, y'all. I became obsessed with it. I could feel the energy in my hands. My face would get red. I could, I literally read the future and things happened. It gave me such a sense of control. And I was just intrigued by it. I saw the way the cards would pop out. I knew I wasn't alone when I was doing it. And it was wild. And I would get these downloads that were just like what I thought were wisdom and just like thoughts that would pop into my head that would send me on this search and this seeking. I was a seeker and I loved that analogy. I was wandering and I I wanted to keep learning and questioning and growing and but it was in a desire to be found and a desire to find truth and a desire to to know God, right? But it was a rabbit hole. 
And I just kept finding these little nuggets and then they would just send me down rabbit hole. And I would get downloads all day, every day. And they were about other people. It was about situations, about things. And it was, it was wild, y'all. I cannot put it into words. It's not like it was like an audible voice, but within my heart and my head, it was as if you were meditating and you hear your own thoughts. It's that same thing, but it wasn't mine. It wasn't my voice. Just like I had experienced and cultivated mindfulness during 2020, for the first time, what my thoughts sounded like when God spoke to me, it pierced my heart. You're seeing the Pharisees, there's always been a lot of them. The ways that God spoke, he was so gentle and and tender and quiet. And if I wasn't listening, I probably would have missed it. This voice, though, on the other hand, it was very... It gave me clear direction. It was directing me. And I got, I just kept getting deeper into psychedelics. Was using tarot and astrology as an indicator of just like where I needed to go in my life. And completely walked away again from faith in Jesus and the Bible. I had a conversation with my sister like, hey, don't even know if I believe. I don't even know if I could date a Christian because I am so open-minded to stuff and just like the fact that I don't think that that's just the truth like that anymore and I believe there's truth in everything and I meant it started getting trained in Reiki which is a form of energy healing and you open yourself up to source energy you invite in this energy to then perform healings on other people there's real power in this place when I was doing tarot and when I was channeling when I was getting these downloads or meditating or it was so powerful. I felt like I needed to take a nap afterwards. Like it was, whoa, it was crazy. But it it's different than what I experienced, which I'm going to share in just a second. It was powerful and it gave me a feeling of control and of being in power in a life that I have had very little power. I've been a victim in a lot of places that were outside of my control. And then all of a sudden, I've had all this control. So then all of a sudden, a friend came back out of nowhere, messaged me on Instagram. I hadn't spoken to them in six years and just sent me a word of encouragement. Like, hey, I see what you're doing. Keep going. It's encouraging to see all this growth and like desire for healing for other people. Keep going and blah, blah, blah. And I saw that he was super Christian now. I was like, that's cool. Um, Anyway, you know, like I had no desire to, I thought I low-key was kind of judgmental about it. And in our just conversations back and forth, we ended up connecting more. And it was the first time that in hearing him talk about God, that I started kind of questioning, like, who was God to me? Who was Jesus to me again? It was the first time in a while, over a year, that I even thought about it. And it was kind of God preparing the ground of about what was about to go down. So I ended up taking, I was questioning God. I ended up taking a shroom strip that was unlike any other experience I have had with shrooms. And people will talk about in psychedelics the idea of a bad trip, which is very often that you feel in danger, that things go dark, and you're in this space where there's no way to get out because you're trapped in your own stuff your own stuff is coming up it's normally like an internal experience going on about your perception of what's happening around you and within yourself right or there's just thoughts and things you just can't stop I had never had a bad trip 
I always had a healthy fear of psychedelics and used them very intentionally. Would meditate, set an intention, do it in my house by myself. Be very, very clear with the respect I had for plant medicine. But this trip, I took a microdose, which was a very small amount. And for me to have this reaction was very, very strange. So I was in my in my house, in my room, and I opened myself up to everything love and light and divine um, and working in the divine and but just opening myself up to all the things took the psychedelics and was in the basement of my house where I live and knew that I was not alone I was for the first time externally like I knew that I was truly not alone in where I was I was very perceptive of energy and of things around me. I used to be a social dancer and still am a social dancer, but I got to the point when I was getting trained in Reiki where they tell you, you know, if you're not clairvoyant or you don't have the ability to to perceive those things, then you will be because of how much you're opening yourself up to this source energy and other people's energy in relation to that. So I would go out to a social dancing event in a group of people and I could see the darkness on people. I could see things on people. I could hear their thoughts. I could hear it was it was like a radio station on every channel turned up at the same time. And it was so overwhelming. I was like, yo, I can't do this. I need space. Like it's overwhelming. It's overstimulating for me to be in this much power, in this much place to be perceptive of everything and everyone's energy and everything. I just felt so open. And it, but it didn't feel like a good thing. I didn't want it necessarily to be that way. And it was like the idea, you know, great power comes great responsibility, right? So I immediately became aware that I wasn't alone. And I knew that if I opened my eyes, I was going to see something that I was going to be scared of and didn't want to see. And it wasn't because of the drug. I knew it was something spiritual and I was scared. And I remember praying, being like, God, anything that is from you, that again, I thought I was praying to the same God. I thought it was all source energy, right? And so I was like, God, if this is not from you, you know, I only want what is of love and light and of in service of the divine. And I started having visuals and well, my eyes were closed. And I started seeing an atomical heart that was shriveled up and it was still beating, but it was beating really slowly. And it was It was struggling to be, and I couldn't, I started not being able to breathe. The only thing I could describe was the weight of a cinder block on my chest. And when in 2020, when I was having all of those intrusive thoughts, I recognized that that was not a voice that was mine, but I I believed those thoughts. And that's why I was suicidal. I was believing the things that it was speaking over me. And when I became a Christian and I got baptized, I had not heard a single one of those thoughts again. It was insane. The only way I could describe 2020 was the word torment. It was tormenting. And I just wanted relief. I didn't want to die. I just wanted relief. I just wanted it to stop. I wanted it to shut up for two seconds. I wanted rest. I wanted peace. And if that was the way I could get it, then fine. So be it. But I didn't want to die. And so I was laying in my bed and I felt like the weight of a cinder block on my chest and I couldn't breathe. And I used to be an EMT, so I'm seeing this image of, a, of an atomical heart and I can't breathe and I take my pulse. And my pulse is a 40 beats a minute, which is very, very, very low. 
like very low. I am not a marathon runner. I am not, you know, like there's no reason why my heart rate would be that low in a healthy place. And I immediately started getting worried because I went, oh my gosh, that's my heart. That's my heart. And then I had a vision, again, all this with my eyes closed, of a woman screaming in anguish. Like that was the only way I could see it. And there was all this red behind her. And I was trying to do Reiki on myself because I was like, maybe this is stored trauma in my body. Like, what is this about? I've never had a shrooms trip where I was physically in pain. Like I was physically in pain. My whole body hurt. And the, if, the only way I can describe it was there was something on the inside of me pushing something out on the outside of me. And it was like warring against each other. And it was so painful. It hurt. But yet I was scared. I couldn't breathe. And I was seeing this heart and I'm going, oh my gosh, God, like, did I do too much? Am I going to die? I got in my, I was under my weighted blanket. I just wanted to feel safe and protected. I'm like, I'm going to die in my bed from a stupid shrooms trip. Like this is not, this is the dumbest way to die. But I heard that voice starting to just coax me into just let go. Just let go. Just let go. Like it was doing it like, you know, you want to just let go and relax. And I went, hell no, I'm not letting go. I was scared that I heard that voice and I went, that's not God. That's not the shrooms trips that I'm used to, right? And I started praying and I was like, God, I don't want to die. Like, please, like, just get me through this. I'm scared. I don't know what to do. Just protect me. And I just, I I saw some other visuals and things that I just couldn't make. I couldn't, ha- I didn't have a concept for what was going on. And eventually opened my eyes again. Like, I knew I wasn't alone. It was just so weird. It was unlike anything I'd experienced with shrooms before. And then probably two days later, my best friend came forward and she was like, Lacey, I don't know how to tell you this. This is just a warning of listener discretion advice. This was a dark and twisty moment in some paranormal activity and it's really real. And I don't want you to shy away from it, but I do want you to be mindful of who is around and people that might not have the context in a way that leaves them in a place or could cause them to search in a way that would put them in a vulnerable place. Um, I am editing this in on top of the original recording, so I apologize if the sound is any different. I um, reached out to my best friend and told her, you know, I just want to let you know I recorded, but I wanted to make sure that the details were correct. So she ended up coming to me and saying, Lacey, you know, I don't know how to tell you this. I didn't want to bring you into all the things or that it would happen to you, but I had an encounter with Satan and I never heard her her voice like that before. And it kind of all started because there was a friend of her sister and roommate who little by little kept like trying to engage with her, giving her gifts, spending lots of time at the house. And she always kind of had a bad feeling about her and in general didn't, didn't want, you know, like she she didn't want to be rude, but she intuitively just knew like something wasn't quite right. And it wasn't until she blatantly said no to her inviting her on a car ride and she heard what I now know as the Holy Spirit saying, you're not going. She said, no, I'm not going. And she kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And it wasn't until after that she said that she had a Ouija board in the car and that they were intending on using it. 
And so there were little things that were happening that the more she was bringing things over to the house, she was inviting things in, she began sharing about what she practiced and being involved in dark magic. So set some boundaries, things went a little funky and south, and then um, basically had a moment where she was awake at night. Um, my best friend was up in her room and she shares a space with her roommate and he ended up being really, you know, rustling around, being really restless and then said something in his sleep, like stop. And she was, you know, awake listening to all of this. It was like, that's super weird. And her cat was staring off into the wall, completely focused in. And then the little wind chime next to her bed that she had started moving. It's like a full movie moment. And this entity walks through the wall, walks through her, sits on the bed next to her. And in the time that all this is happening, she gets up to her. She had an altar in her room. That was an altar to herself, her higher self. And, you know, she's doing all the things. She's saging. And basically in Latin, heard within her. And just like kind of when you're mindful and you can hear what you're thinking, but it's not like an audible voice heard in her heart, I am Satan, I am God, right? Or I am deity. And she said that it was, it was like the scariest thing and it wasn't going away. And then this feeling of love and just like overwhelming, like calling on God was what made this thing go away. But she didn't want to share it with me because she, you know, mind you, we didn't know what this thing was, how, like, of course we knew it was Satan apparently, but it was like, I had just had my experience and I hadn't told her the fullness of my experience yet. And she didn't want me to be involved knowing how spiritual world is. So I went to my Reiki practitioner and was like, Hey, this is what's going on. What can we do? And she basically said, you know, lovingly, she opened a portal. Somebody in the house opened this portal and welcoming and summoning the spirit in. And if they're still practicing those things, then it doesn't really matter what she does. And pretty much felt like a non-satisfactory answer to me of like, hey, we're just going to have to live with Satan now. And it scared the crap out of me. And I went to bed holding my Bible that night and just praying. And I remember praying to my ancestors and to, you know, my guides and all this stuff and nothing happened. And then I prayed to God. I prayed to the Lord and realized one, those were different things. And so a few days later, me and my friend were on FaceTime and she tells me, Lacey, she's here. The girl that had done all of this was again at her house. She was trying with everything in her to not like pop off at her. And, um, first thing I thought to do was just to get my Bible. I was like, we're gonna pray. I don't even know if I believe in this, but we're gonna pray. I kid you not for like almost two hours on FaceTime, my best friend was speaking to things that as I was flipping through the Bible, and I had previously read and highlighted and knew well, they were addressing hand in hand, like exactly word for word, what she had just said. Like it was the craziest thing. I can't even put it into words. She said something, I flipped to a page and underlined was the thing addressing what she just said for hours. And afterwards, we just both sat there. And she was like, Lacey, I've been thinking randomly the last few days like who is Jesus to me because it was the only thing that made it go away and I was like that's crazy me too of course we can never have 
a, a singular experience. We are always growing and learning the same things at the same time. It's wild. And I was like, I'm kind of was concerned that you would shun me and not want to be friends with me anymore if I became a Christian again. And she was like, no, honestly, this is kind of making me question. But after that conversation, we both just sat there and stared off into the distance like, what just happened? What just happened? Energy work is powerful. You feel like you need to rest afterwards. This was like taking a nap and eating a nourishing meal for the first time when you were really hungry and you just gotten back from a long trip. It was satiating. It was satisfying. And I went, all I did was speak the word of the Bible. And it was different. And I couldn't, I didn't know what to do with that. So the next day, it was a Wednesday. I went to work and I just dropped my bags and I said, God, I don't know what I did. I don't know where I've been. I thought I was still playing with the same arena of you, but I'm seeing very quickly that certain things are not of you and I don't know what to do and I need help. What do I do? And I felt so clearly the Holy Spirit in me say that voice, you need to be in a church today. So I messaged my roommate, who is a Christian, not knowing that she had seen the tarot cards and everything and had talked to her pastor and was praying over me and all these things. Like, hey, do you happen to know everything, anything going on tonight? I don't even know where to start, where to look, but apparently I need to be in a church. So she sends a group text out and was like, I'll let you know what I hear. I open up my YouTube at work and I see a video, New Age to Christ, my testimony recommended to me on my algorithm. Hadn't looked any of this stuff up. I didn't even know what new age was. New age practices or anything like that. Even though that's what I was doing. And it was this girl word for word describing how she started playing with certain things. And that led into some paranormal activity stuff going down. Which led into intrusive thoughts telling her to kill people, kill herself. Psychedelics use the same exact progression. Demonic possession just the way that it controlled her and her life, the overwhelm of energy and just all of it. I went, whoa, how it made her feel powerful. She was telling my story. I went, God, is this what I just did? Was this really what I was doing? I didn't realize it happened so fast and it was so powerful and it was, it was giving relief. But then I realized now it's the same way like alcohol and weed give relief, but it's temporary. It's not really addressing the root and piercing through what really needed to be pierced. It was just kind of scratching the surface. I was like, God, what do I do? My roommate messages me back and she's like, hey, there's a worship night at Fairfax Community Church, which just so happens to be the church of the friend that reconnected with me on Instagram that I'd been talking to. So I send him a message. I was like, hey, apparently I'm going to your church tonight for worship night. He knew that I wasn't really into anything. I was open-minded and all this stuff practicing other things but I was like hey just want you to know I'm not stalking you but like I'm going to this thing and he was like hey if stalking gets you into the presence of the Lord praise be to God (laughs) I'm like joking back and forth so I I messaged you know I was like I guess I'm gonna go I messaged my roommate was like would you want to come and she's like yeah absolutely but I'm gonna be late like yeah me too I think I'm gonna have to be late depending on when I get off work so I get off work I'm rushing 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 to get there and I'm gonna be like 20 minutes late So I had messaged him like, hey, I'm going to be late. He 
He was like, it's cool. Randomly, they decided they needed to start late because they felt in the Holy Spirit there were people here that needed to hear that we're running late verbatim. Then there was an issue with the mic afterwards that he told me that even got more time. And that doesn't normally happen because they practice and prepare and do all this stuff. It's a big church, you know. So I walk into this church and it hadn't started. And I was like, that's weird. I'm like 20 minutes late. So I run to the bathroom and in the bathroom, I hear, Lacey, what are you doing here? And it was this girl, a vet that I had met a year earlier when I was kind of dabbling back into Christianity and didn't really feel safe, but met a bunch of young adults at this church called City Light, which was a beautiful experience, but I still wasn't ready. And I still was hiding all of my addictions and sin and everything. And it's like, I wanted to be in it, but I didn't trust people. You know, I was like, not really in it, but I wanted to be. And I, I went to this retreat because I got offered just a scholarship to go. And I was like, why not? You know, and met a beautiful group of people. And she, I was like, do you go here? She goes, no, we're just here for a worship night. There's a whole group of us from City Light. Like, come sit with us. So good to see you. Do you go here? And I was like, no, I'm just here for a worship night. And it's immediately one of my biggest fears of being weird and alone at church was put aside. So I get there right when I walk in the doors, the thing starts. I'm not exaggerating. And every single song, it was like it was catered to me. It was talking about oppression and darkness, the spirit of suicide, of confusion, that God is a God of light, bringing light to the darkness. It was for me. And then my roommate in the middle, I've never seen her cry. She turns to me and she's sobbing and she goes, Lacey, like I've had very few experiences where the Holy Spirit will give me a touch or a taste of something or just like a word about something. And she said that the Holy Spirit was saying to her that I'm giving you a touch of the love that I have for her, like just a taste so that you know how much we are so excited that she's home. She was like, heaven is throwing a, a homecoming party for you, Lace, that you listen, that you're here. And like, I cannot hold the love that God has for you. I can't, and my heart feels like it's going to pop, that you're just welcomed home. And I just am in a puddle of tears. And I was like, God, thank you for bringing me here. Thank you for pursuing me. It was for me. So I leave. I end up hearing from the friend that I reconnected with that they had changed their set to be those songs to address the spirit of suicide, of darkness, of confusion, of all these things. Like it was literally for me. And that they were praying that people that wouldn't feel safe in the church would feel safe in the, in the Lord, in God. And so I in my heart, immediately knew I needed to burn everything. I needed to get rid of everything I had. I came home, got all my tarot cards, got all my Reiki books, got everything, got a fire pit for my neighbor and burned it. And when we were burning the things, all of the lights on the backside of our house were flickering on and off. And my roommate was like, that's weird. Is something broken? And in my head, I'm going, no, it's hundred percent spiritual, right? It was, it was absolutely spiritual. And the second the fire went out, the light stayed on. And the next morning I woke up and I felt like a brand new person. I had no idea what to do with myself. It was like the perception. I will never forget how I felt. The perception of everything I thought I knew just popped. I was so solid in this space. I was building a business off of Tara and Reiki. I was doing so much. The, that Thursday, following that day that I accepted Christ, I was supposed to be in my Reiki session where 
getting trained was getting the symbols of Reiki put on my skin as a representation of like opening myself up to the source energy. That's what channels the energy. And then it also binds me and connects me to my Reiki practitioner for all of eternity. Like it's like a thing. And the Lord literally was like, yeah, you've gone too far. Like, no, your mind plucked out. Literally just popped the bubble of everything I thought I knew. And I sent a message to her and was like, hey, I know this sounds really crazy. I had an encounter with Jesus and it changed my life. And I, I, know, I don't know why, but I know I just can't continue. And she was beautifully responding, like wanting to make sure it wasn't anything she did. And I was like, no, 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 you're great. It's, it's not that at all. I just know that for me right now, that's not what I need to be doing. And I want to pour in here. And she said, intuitively, I just got the word that you've always known this and you've come home. That this is a homecoming for you. I'm just so excited for you. And that's exactly what my roommate said the night before. Little did I know, y'all. I came back to Christ on the two-year anniversary of the bathtub baptism. That was two years on the exact day that the Lord pursued my heart and pulled me back. And I just didn't know what to do. I felt like everything I thought I knew, the amount of kind of like spiritual manipulation and things, the Holy Spirit started bringing up to me the visions and the images and the thoughts that I had that were so close to truth, but they weren't. And there are verses in the Bible that talk about the fact that the enemy comes disguised as the angel of light. That his heart is to destroy, to lie, to distort. He will use any means necessary to cause confusion, to cause doubt, to manipulate anybody getting close to God, right? And I just saw the ways that in the visions I have of my grandmother who had passed, the eyes were a little off. And I remember going, huh, that doesn't look like her eyes. And then the Holy Spirit brought it up and it was like this pulling in, enticing, like, yes, keep coming, keep coming, kind of look in your eyes. And I went, whoa, wait a second. That wasn't my grandma. There was just things that I was like, what is up and what is down? Like, God, I know I can't be in a position of leadership. I just want to be with you. I feel safe with you. And you have saved my life from a place that I didn't even realize I was in and came back to Christ. And I haven't heard a single download since then. I've heard the Lord's voice, which is that still small voice that pierces my heart and crowns me. I can't say it any other way than pierce. It sits me down and it brings truth to it and light to it and healing to all the things it touches. But it's not like the rabbit hole downloads that I would get in my mind 24-7. The perception of energy was gone. It was like the veil was back up, but in a good way. And I just was like, God, I need you. I need to seek you. Started getting involved in church. Started seeing all of the pain that I had was really with people and with my trauma that the Lord was peeling back these layers and that I had viewed accountability as a threat. And that's why I left the church because I didn't want to be seen and I didn't want to be known. And I would do whatever it took to run away. God has changed my life since May. He has been so real to me. He has shown me a level of love and tenderness and closeness and safety and intimacy in a way that 
I never experienced. He is showing me that God the Father is a good correlation. And he said when I am saying God the Father was only the healthiest father. And I knew what that meant because I knew what it was like to be a healthy caregiver to kids. It's hard to be a healthy father, to be a healthy mother, to be a healthy caregiver. It costs a lot. I saw that cost in my marriage. I saw that cost. And it was just the way that the Lord prepared my heart. And the way that I needed all of those experiences to now speak to them. And to see, yes, it was really close to truth. Yes, it felt really close to God and power. But the Lord is rest and peace and nourishing. And the Bible, y'all, when I read the Bible now, it is a meal. It talks about it being the bread of life, that man should not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God, that that was the bread I, I was so hungry for. And spirituality was like bread crumbing me for more. It was just enough to keep me around. But I'm still spiritual. It's just that God is spiritual too. But it tells us to test the spirits because not every spirit is of God. And I saw how... It so clearly was trying to separate me and cause confusion. I was going down that hole really quickly. My best friend also ended up becoming a Christian, giving her life to Christ. And the Lord has transformed her life. She got baptized, completely transformed her life. She is now free from demonic possession. The victory that we have, not because we have done anything, not because we are worthy of anything and And look at my life in the spaces that I have caused so much pain. The places that I have caused myself pain. When it talks about in the Bible that Jesus, that God is the vine and that we are the branches. And that anything outside of him, we die. We we can't be sustained because he is the fountain of that. He is the roots in the ground that gives us the nourishment. He is the one tending those vines and pruning and producing the fruit. Without him, I'm a dried up stick trying to do the things. And I saw the fruit of that in my life, of my choices, that the verse is talking about that the the wages of sin is death. And it's not just death of physical death. It's an emotional, spiritual, mental torment, death, that everything I was choosing in a space of sin, which the word sin just means you miss the mark. It's the original word. You miss the mark. It's a bullseye. You tried to hit it and you missed. Try again. It doesn't mean that God is looking at us with hate or withholding a record of wrongs or wanting to judge us. There is verses upon verses upon verses of God's graciousness and gentleness that there is mercy new every morning that as far as the east is from the west, so far I've cast your sins from you that I remember them no, no more, that I keep no record of wrongs. That there is forgiveness and grace, not because I did anything, I surrendered. The changes in my heart and in my life, I did nothing. But to lean in, to give up, and to surrender, and to trust, and to have faith in what I chose to believe was truth, which is the person of Jesus Christ and what he did for me on the cross. That he lived a life that was blameless and perfect, that he understood what it was like to be here, that he is my example, that I desired to have a heart like his, 
I desire to love people like he loved. He was radical. He was unlike anything else. And when he was murdered and beaten to the point in the Bible, it says that he didn't even resemble a human. That it was his stripes that paid for my sin. That he conquered death. He conquered the wages of sin. And he took my sin. And he died in my place. That I wouldn't have to die and carry that for myself in separation from him. That all I would have to do was to accept the grace and the gift that he has given me. Which is coming from his death and his resurrection. And just learning about the historical accounts of Jesus. Learning about the validity of the Bible. That the Bible is unlike any book that's ever existed. We have more manuscripts of the Bible than any other thing in the world. There is more evidence, like the fact that these disciples, having seen the resurrection of Christ, that Christ came to over 500 people after he passed, and that they, there's no doubt that he died, that he suffered on a cross. And just by the lashes alone, most people would have died from that alone, let alone from hanging on the cross. I think it was anywhere between six to however many hours. And yet the final words out of his mouth were, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. And that it is finished, that he has done it, that there is victory over all darkness because he has given me light. Even scientifically, light makes no sense. We don't understand it. The particles, the way it's set up, it doesn't make sense. We don't understand it. Because he is light. He brings light to the areas of the darkness of my heart, of my life, in a way that has been, I can't put into words. And I know without a shadow of a doubt, there is no wandering that I have been sealed in Christ, that he is my life, that he has transformed my life outside of rules and religion and behavioral modification and hypocrisy and authoritative abuse, that he, that is not the heart of God. And the church that we are seeing is so often the Pharisees of the Bible. The church that hurt me so deeply, I refuse to be a church like that. So in my life, I want to look like Jesus. I want to love people like he did, which means laying my life down for them, being patient with them, meeting them in the mud and the dirt and in the, in the mess, and loving them first as I love myself. I have learned to deeply love myself because I am loved and treasured, and it says that I am God's special possession. That he created me, he delights in me, he fashioned me. It is unlike anything self-improvement can give. It is unlike anything self-love can give. Because self-love rooted in him loving me is the fountain of that abundance of love. It has changed me. And I share this because I know so many people have been hurt in this space. And when you hurt somebody in the name of God, y'all, that is something else. God does not play with that. So he desires us to be adopted in as his children, as heirs to everything that he has given to us and purchased for us. An eternal life, the worst case scenario that can happen to me in my life is that I go and that my life ends. 
and I get to spend the rest of eternity with the Savior and the lover of my soul. And on this side of heaven, I get to see him in everything. I get to grow close to him. I get to see the way that he's been moving. I can't put it. I have stories about stories about stories about stories of what he has done in the last few months. So my life has shifted. My heart has shifted. And I want to bring forth the truth of why. Because I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of salvation for anyone who believes. Anyone who believes, like it says in Romans. So I want to speak boldly on what God has done and who God has been for me. And who God can be for you too. There is light in the darkness and I want to be hope in in this world. I've always said I want to be a safe place in a world that is not safe. But God is the safe place. He is our refuge. He is the best thing I have ever found and tasted and touched. And I desire more than anything that my life would point people back to him. So I share this in trust in knowing one. If you have any questions, if you have any, you just want to talk. This is not a judgment zone. I needed to see a lot of things. I had to make a lot of choices. I had to go all over the place. There were so many people that were part, so many people that just patiently loved me that were part of my story. I will never ridicule, judge you, force you to believe any of this to be true. This is my experience. I desire that you have your own encounter with the Lord. I cannot make that happen. I cannot convince you of it. I cannot judge you out of your behaviors because they're quote-unquote sinful. That's none of my business. Jesus addresses that so many times, that we are not meant to judge, that we are focused on the speck in your brother's eye and not the log in our own, that we have to take accountability and responsibility for ourselves before God. That is all I can do, and it is my job to love you where you are. I want to support you where you are, whatever that looks like. If you want to talk, I am here. I am an open book. I want to meet you wherever you are in this process. Or if you are questioning who God is and what you've lived, you are not alone in this space. I am open. I'm here. And I want to I wanna bring God into everything that I'm doing. So moving forward, the podcast will still, yes, be about exploring all of these things, what it means to be a human in process, what it means to grow and just to sit in the mud with you, to to welcome the growth and progression of what it is to be a human being. It's dark and twisty and all of this is involved. And I also want to glorify God through everything that I do because this is my worship to him, is loving his people well. And stewarding you well. So my business, not really sure how things are going to change moving forward. I don't want people who don't believe in this to feel like they can't have part in any of this because of the difference in belief. But this is a place that you are welcome as you are, whoever you are, wherever you are. And I mean that. Because I want you to taste what I have tasted. I will never force that on you. If God respects our free will... I respect yours too. I know what I've experienced and I will rest in that. 
that does not need to be convinced of to anyone because I know what I've lived and I desire that for you too. So I love you. Thank you for sharing and listening and being part of all of this with me. And just, I love connecting with you guys. I love learning from you guys. I love being able to be in this space. Thank you for listening to me and my story. My prayer is an encouragement to you that God will redeem and use all of this that I had to go through, everything I went through, to now speak and relate and resonate because I get it. I love you. I love you. I love you. And I'm so excited to be back. Cannot wait to continue serving you and equipping us to sit in the mud and explore these spaces together. There's no such thing as a taboo topic here. I want us to love each other to life. That is the joy of my heart. I love you. I'm sending you so much love. And until next time.